Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Amen. Thank you, Robbie. Thanks for the prayers. It's good to be here. <clears throat> I didn't know if I was going to make it, but I'm really glad that I did because um, I really feel like the Lord wants to move tonight. felt that, you know, particularly as we come near the back end of last week, as um, I prepared for what um, the Holy Spirit was saying, I think, to us. And, um, yeah, so may the Lord make his strength perfect in my weakness, all right? Um, picking up from last week, we, um, we've been on this theme um, of revival, as you know, and, and the Lord calling us, particularly since Christmas, we've been looking at this idea of God calling us to be set apart, to consecrate our hearts, to consecrate ourselves, to consecrate our lives, to really pursue holiness and to put the first things first. And um, these are the preliminary and early stages of a move of God's Spirit. That would be what history tells us. That's what the Bible, I think, tells us, that when there's that movement towards consecration, when there's a movement towards holiness to be set apart, you can tell that God is trying to get a hold of his people for uh, a certain reason. And so we've been centering around, hope you don't mind me being repetitive, just from re- reading this verse again. Is that, um, is that working? Uh, yeah, next one. Okay. Is it working now? Oh, maybe it's working now. Sorry. Let's just, let me just read this verse. We've been centering our thoughts since Christmas around this verse, which is um, Jesus speaking to the church in Ephesus, okay, in Revelation. And he says this to the angel of the church in Ephesus. And by the way, Ephesus was a great church. Lots to kind of model yourself on there that was good about it. Um, but there's, um, there's a real um, indictment, if you like, coming. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks amongst the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love uh, that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But, uh, but you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever's ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And we're centering specifically in that little part in verse 5 where it says, Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and return to the things that you do or you did at first. And so our little kind of phrase, if you like, for these nights is, you know, Jesus, I think, is calling us to do the first things first, right? Do we do, do we do the first things? The things that we maybe first did when we came to the Lord, the first principles that the Bible speaks of, Jesus is calling us, I think, back to that place. And I have a longing in my heart that people from around the world will one day maybe come here and um, witness what God is doing in remarkable and astonishing ways and they might ask us what did you do that was different what was the secret how did this all happen and I just would love to be able to say we just did the first things we just did first things first we just did the things that that the Bible tells us to do lined up with him and if we want to be a revival people if we want to be and we must realize that there's some stuff that we have to repent of there's some stuff that we need to say sorry of 
about. There's some stuff that we need to return to, to be that kind of a people, returning to the first principles in a world, uh, in the midst of a world that's full of seduction, uh, around all sorts of opinions about progress and human flourishing and all of those kind of things. The people of God today, I think, are being called to look first things first, keep their head down, bow before the Lord, hold their ground, remember we are God's people, founded in his truth, planted by the river of life, and allow God to have his way in and through us. And one of the things that Jesus, the, the, the key thing that Jesus has holding against this church, quite powerful words, I have this against you, is that they lost their first love. <clears throat> they came to church, in fact, to give their lives for the church. They were pretty committed to the church, but they just lost first love. It just Their love for Jesus just wasn't as strong as what it was. And that grieved Jesus, and it grieves Jesus when his church today around the world is doesn't love him like he first loved him. And, um, and his heart's desire for us is that we love him. He, what he died for was a bride that would love him in the same way, or at least strive to love him in the same way that he loves it. And, um, and so we were asking that question last week, do, do we love Jesus? And um, like Peter, we probably all say, of course, come to church. And then Jesus asks us again, do you, do you, do you love Jesus? Yeah. Well, do you know everything, Jesus? Of course you know I love you. And then, and then he goes one more time, right into the depths of our hearts and souls. No, no. But do, do you love me? And it was beautiful last week to watch the Lord just fan into flame, first love. And that's a sure sign that God is doing something when he's longing and seeking and desiring to bring a fresh wave of first love back into the church, just burning hearts that, that love him for who he is. Not just, Robbie mentioned that earlier, not just what we get out of it, as amazing as that is, but because we love him. And um, because the ones that love him in that way are ready to be entrusted with the deep dreams of his heart. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and so as I prayed about how we're supposed to go forward into this week, I feel like the Lord's still continuing to do that. But I, I, I just felt that the Lord almost was saying to ask this question, do, do you love Jesus? And the next question, just first to look at tonight is, do you love the Holy Spirit? Do you love the Holy Spirit? Do you love his presence? Um, I feel there's many of us here in church, and we've been watching what God has been doing over the last number of weeks, and we like it an extent we're intrigued but we're nervous and we're fearful at times and we're even if we're really honest slightly suspicious about the Holy Spirit or this talk of the Holy Spirit or the way people move in the Holy Spirit and um, I feel the Lord just wants to deal with that tonight I feel the Lord wants to lift all that fear off I feel like he wants to lift all suspicion off because a revival is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and so if people are fearful, suspicious, resistant to the Holy Spirit, then it's hard to expect and long for. It's hard to even pray for a moving of the Holy Spirit if you're not quite sure about him. Okay? And, uh, and so very simply tonight, this is one of the first things. One of the first things is do we love the person of the Holy Spirit? And for many years I think we've got this wrong. And so what I want to say tonight is, the Holy Spirit is God. Just let me say it again, very simple statement. The Holy Spirit is God. 
the Holy Spirit, we often say around here, is not that kind of weird, slightly eccentric uncle that comes out at Christmas time once a year and you hope your best that, you know, he can be part of the family, but you can pacify him enough to get through without him like creating too much of a fuss, okay? Most of us and most of the church treats the Holy Spirit a bit like that kind of weird eccentric uncle when he is God. And he's always working with the Father and the Son together. He's the third person of the Trinity. He, um, he's distinct from the Father and the Son, but at the same time, he's fully God. And one with the Father and the Son. He personifies the love that the Father and the Son have. He's the Holy Spirit. Some of us have maybe never even said the words, Holy Spirit, I love you. I welcome you, Holy Spirit, into my life. Because when we love him and we welcome him, he will bring us into the love of the Father and he will glorify Jesus in our lives. He's in the family of God. In in the family of God, the individuality, so in the Trinity, the, the individuality of each person in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is maintained while at the same time they fully share the life of the other. Right? So there's a distinctive sort of sense of three distinct personalities, but they're mutually indwelling one another in such a way that they're one. This is where you have to fall out of your rational head and fall into the mystery of the love of God, because that's what this is. And some of us today, we need to fall out of the logic of our heads and fall into the mystery of the love of God that comes to us by His Spirit. I'm not saying leave your heads. You, you know me, I, can, I love using my mind to think. I love theology. You know, I love reading books. I love all of that. I love engaging well, intellectually, thoughtfully, intelligently with the scriptures. But, you know, ultimately, we walk by faith, yeah? And we are called to walk in and by the Spirit. This is the profound mystery of the Trinity. But the Holy Spirit is God. And further to this, what is important for us to understand tonight is that the Holy Spirit is the way today on the earth God manifests himself to the world and to people. That's the way God works today. Okay? He obviously came upon his people in sporadic ways in the Old Testament. So this is just like a brief three, four minute kind of overview of the Holy Spirit in Scripture, right? He came upon people sporadically in the Old Testament. Now and again, for certain tasks upon certain people. But in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit takes on even greater prominence, right? We would not have the conception of Jesus without the Holy Spirit. Mary conceived how? By the Holy Spirit. Okay? Jesus is only amongst us because of the working of the Holy Spirit with the Father and the Son. Jesus only came to earth by the Spirit. He did, only did his ministry through the Spirit. I was reading this week. It really caught me. When John the Baptist says he was only sure that Jesus was actually the Messiah when he saw the Holy Spirit come upon him. That, that is profound. So the authentic sign of Jesus' Messiahship was the filling and the dwelling and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Incredible. And if Jesus longed for it and Jesus desired it and Jesus lived it, then maybe, maybe we need to think about that too, don't we? The infilling of the Holy Spirit. And this anointing of the Spirit was the very essence of Jesus' ministry. When he stood up to declare his ministry was kind of go, 
It was the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim the good news, yeah, to proclaim hope, to, to, to set the captives free, to proclaim liberty, to proclaim the kingdom is now amongst us. And Jesus, during his ministry, he said his words were spirit and truth. There were words that draw you into another reality than just the one that you're living in front of every day. Jesus' words were spirit. They connect with a part of you that draws you into another dimension of living. <clears throat> he said, the spirit gives life, but the flesh counts for nothing. And near the end of Jesus' ministry, Jesus, we know, said it was good for him to go so that the Holy Spirit couldn't come. And he prophesied that if anybody believed in him, out of his, out of his um, innermost being would flow rivers of living water. And he was talking about the Spirit there. There was going to be something internal happened inside of us where the Holy Spirit was going to flow out of us. We'll come back to that later. And before Jesus left the earth, after his resurrection, he breathed in his disciples. Imagine that. Imagine like Jesus just coming into the room and then like, he does that every time we meet together by the way he breathed on us and then again after he went back to heaven he said guys wait for the spirit to come upon you and he did and so the sign of authentic church the sign of an authentic New Testament church is the sign and the recognition of the spirit of God upon it Without that, it's, you know, you can't argue, is it really a New Testament church? The sign of a New Testament church is people gathered and surrounded around the Lordship of Jesus with the infilling of the Holy Spirit, binding them together in a new radical family, right? The sign of the church is, <clears throat> the sign of the church that Jesus wants is, is one where the life and the vitality of the Spirit is upon it. And throughout the Acts of the Apostles, we see the Holy Spirit take the prominent role. Somebody has once said, and probably rightly so, that the Acts of the Apostles could and maybe should have been called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because that's what it is. He is everywhere in the Acts of the Apostles. He's leading. He's, he birthed it to start with. He's leading it. He's guiding it. He's orchestrating it. He's waking people up in dreams. He's speaking through prophetic words. He's supernaturally working, connecting people together. Of course, he has to do that through available vessels, but the Holy Spirit is on the church. And we want to be something like a New Testament church. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, do we love the Holy Spirit? Do we welcome the Holy Spirit? Do we recognize that he is the way that God is moving on the earth today and the one that brings us into the presence of Jesus? And do we say like Robbie opened up this morning, this evening, sorry. Come, Holy Spirit. It's the best way to start your day, by the way. Come, Holy Spirit. Because it's available to us. I like this quote, just to reinforce the point. The Spirit is the lifeblood of the church, the vivifying force that makes its very existence possible. Without the Spirit, the church is either an empty, lifeless shell or a horrific monstru monstrosity animated by some other spirit than the spirit of the risen Jesus. It's pretty powerful, pretty powerful words. And so what I want us to get to tonight is the Holy Spirit is the spirit of God. God is spirit. If you're still not convinced, let me do it really, really plainly. John chapter 4, God is spirit. There it is, right? And his worshipers must worship in spirit and 
truth. You always have to remember God's not just looking worship. He's looking something beyond worship. He's looking worshipers. Yeah, those who worship him in spirit and in truth. And we can only worship him in spirit and in truth um, when we bring our true selves before him. So in truth, right? You come here tonight, you can come in truth. Just bring who you are. Jesus said this to the woman who was at the well. She just came as she was, a broken, broken woman. She'd been divorced five times. And Jesus is meeting with this woman and chatting and talking to her and just bring who you are. In spirit and but in, in, in spirit and in truth. So that's the truth part. We bring who we are. And and we bring we bring ourselves by the spirit. We we need to remember tonight we are spirit beings. If the enemy wants to do anything, he wants to dull your senses to think that you're not. And the reality is so much of your box sets, so much of the stuff you see on TV today, so much of the stuff that's clamoring for our kids' attention is all counterfeit spirit. It's counterfeit spirit stuff. It's trying to get them to believe in another world, right? It's trying to get them, and not not all of it's necessarily bad, but most of it is counterfeit because you're a spirit being, right? So, you're not, you're not necessarily just a body with a spirit. You're as much a spirit with a body as you are. And you see, sometimes we don't really talk about this enough, but you, you, you will know this when you think about the fact that there's, you realize there's a kind of breath in you. There's, we all, I think, are probably on the same page when we say when we, we, we're more than just the flesh and bones that we see. There's something else going on. There was a breath put into us as human beings that allows this part of us, or we become aware of this part of us that longs for something else, that wants to connect with something else, that wants to, that finds a way to connect with other people. Like in the most basic way we understand that, if you play in sport or anything like that, and you talk about a team spirit, you, you know what that is. It's invisible, but it's not intangible in the sense that you feel its effects, even though you can't like see it with naked eye. And that's just a really primary way that we understand that there's something else going on, something else that wants to connect us. Bob Dylan didn't he famously saying you've got to serve somebody because there's a part of us that wants to connect with something or someone over and above ourselves. And the history of mankind proves this. We know we can feel things and connect with things. There's a gap inside all of us that's longing to be filled with something. This is the spirit part of our being. This is the part that God breathed into. We know when God breathed into mankind, he just like he made, the, made him out of the dust and then he, he, you know, he came up close and practically gave him the kiss of life, whatever that work looked like. And he, he, he blew into his being, the spirit. And if you have part of that and you can connect with what I'm talking about tonight, that, that's because you are an image bearer of a God who is spirit. So if God is spirit and he creates you in his image, he creates you with a spirit. But the problem is we're born in sin, so that spirit is kind of like dead in us. And what happens when we come to Jesus and are welcomed into his presence? The spirit comes alive in us, right? We are regenerated or reborn or renewed. Something happens deep inside us that is a spirit thing, right? And it happens from the inside out. We are reborn, regenerated, and invited to worship and connect with God, who is spirit, at the very core of our being. And so in and from our spirit beings, we worship God. And that moves out into our bodies, moves out into our soul. 
And Paul brings this all together beautifully when he says this in 1 Corinthians. Now the Lord is again clear. The Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, <laughs> where the spirit of the Lord is, you, just, you bring who you are in spirit and truth, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. It just spirit touches that part of your spirit and you set free. You set free. And when he comes amongst us, he brings, he brings freedom. And so when our spirit has been crushed or grieved or hurt, all of the kind of things, the spirit comes to heal and to touch and to fan and to flame and to bring us alive, to animate our beings, to wake us up with the light of God. This is profound. And we all with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory or being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is spirit. You see, you see, it's all kind of together, isn't it? And so where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And as we contemplate the Lord's glory, we're being further transformed, taken deeper and deeper and deeper into the beauty and the glory and the wonder of Jesus because it's never-ending. We can never get our heads around it. But that's all happening in and through the person of the Holy Spirit who's bringing us to contemplate the beauty of Jesus, the wonder of Jesus. And in his glory, we are changed and transformed. We can't do that without the Holy Spirit. The Lord is Spirit. Jesus and the Spirit are distinct, and yet they're one. (laughs) <laughs> the Spirit reveals Jesus. In fact, the Bible says you can't confess Jesus as Lord without the Holy Spirit. And yet, in the same way that God reveals what the Father, or sorry, in the same way that Jesus revealed what the Father is like, the G- Jesus, in a sense, put a face on what the Spirit is like. <clears throat> it's the beauty of how the Trinity works together. But what I want to get to tonight is that I really want you to hear this. The immediacy of God's presence. Like the manifest sense of God's presence. Like even tonight, the way that we just know that he's here. What, what is that? It's the Holy Spirit arresting our spirits. Coming to touch our spirits. Coming to make us aware that there is another reality outside the one that we just think we wake up, we go to work tomorrow, we do our da-da-da-da-da-da, just putting in time. No, no, no. There's there's something else going on. There's another world that we're born from and into. And so, the way that we understand the presence of Jesus today is through the Holy Spirit. And so it would make sense that the enemy wants to confuse you about that, wouldn't it? It would make real sense that you've watched something that somebody said was the Holy Spirit and it looked like inappropriate or just weird and therefore you've got stuck on that. It would make sense that the Holy Spirit, um, it makes sense that the enemy wants to confuse you, distort your understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. Wants you to kind of find a way of making that kind of experience that was maybe really, really bad, a bit of an excuse for actually opening up your heart. It may be that the way you've been taught over the years has been that the Holy Spirit doesn't really move that much today and just make sure everything should be, you know, kind of neat and tidy. And there is a place for order, but sometimes we use that word and we say order in such a way that it means that the Holy Spirit can't do what he really wants to do. And so it would make sense that the enemy's in all of that kind of stuff, just stirring that up, just trying to like wreck your head and like mess with your head. 
And yet, how much must it grieve the Father? When he was described, the Holy Spirit was described by Jesus as the promise from the Father, the gift of the Father. He wants to give us something really good, his own personal presence. And you see, the Bible, see, Jesus, the person of Jesus, <clears throat> we mentioned this in Port of Ellen this morning, but the reality is the person of Jesus actually isn't here today. The actual person of Jesus. He's in heaven because he came and did a work. And he's went back up to heaven and he sat down, the Bible says, at the right hand of God. And that picture of sitting down means it's a work that's done, finished, completed, victory won. Amen. So there's a sense in which the man, Christ Jesus, is in heaven today. So that means, how do we know that he's here tonight? We know that he's here tonight because the Holy Spirit is him. <laughs> The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus himself who makes it feel as if like Jesus is like you can just reach out and touch him closer than your next breath because by the Spirit he is gracing us. He's hovering over us. He's moving upon us. He's coming close and he makes us realize that Jesus by his Spirit is closer than our very next breath. And what I think the Lord wants to do tonight is is maybe actually call us, not in a shame kind of way, but he maybe wants to call us to repent for the times that we haven't honored the person of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit. My uh, new hero at the moment, Martin Lloyd-Jones, puts it like this, the Philistines, or just let's say the enemy, have always been concerned about concealing the person of the Holy Spirit. Or if you, like they, have been guilty in various ways of quenching the Spirit, how do they do this? Well, here are some of the ways. They forget about him altogether. And there are many people who do that. Of course, if you ask them, they say that they believe in him, but in practice they forget him altogether. I do not stop with that. There are others who, while they do not forget him, regard him only as an influence. They do not believe in him as a person. They do not talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. That must grieve him terribly. Our Lord talks about sending him. Jesus talks about sending him. Yes, we are Trinitarians. We believe in God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So how can we expect him to visit us and to bless us if we talk about it? Would you like to be called an it? Would you like to be talked about as an it? There's nothing more insulting to a person than to cast doubt in any way upon the personality. And this is what men and women are doing with the Holy Spirit. They're talking about it as an influence. No, he is a blessed person. And I feel like the Holy Spirit just very gently just wants to say to you, nothing to worry about. I'm not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I'm, I'm here for you tonight. I'm here for you. I'm here to fill you with my presence. Consider how far we've fallen. Return to the things we did at first. Return. Return. You might not even have the theology for it, but you know when you first came to Jesus and something lit up your life, something lit up your heart, and you just wanted more, and something was moving on you, and there was hunger in your heart, and there was hunger in your soul, that was the Holy Spirit. That was, the, that was the Spirit of God working in your life. And he wants to bring us back. He wants to light up our lives with his presence.
And as I say, the enemy wants to put us off. He wants, <clears throat> or maybe tonight you just got a little bit too comfortable. The cares, distractions of life have just crept in. You're living for other things. You just need to return to the things that you did at first. And welcome the Holy Spirit afresh into your life. Because he wants to flood our hearts with his, with his presence. I want to read a passage, but before I do, um, I want to read one more passage and say a few things about it, and then we're going to respond. But before I do, let me just take a moment. Let me just take a moment, and if you need to just repent for a moment, or just welcome the Holy Spirit afresh into your life, let's just do that in the silence tonight. And the rain is a good reminder to us of how he wants to come and flood our hearts with his presence tonight. Okay, so Let's just, let's just welcome the Holy Spirit into our lives. And if there's been a particular experience or a particular thing or a particular teaching or something that has prevented you from moving in that, I just, I just really want to ask you and welcome you to give that to the Lord. And if it's just a sense of like inhibition and a sense of nervousness, just tell Jesus about that tonight and, and say, Holy Spirit, would you come into my life afresh? I want to welcome you into my heart. Holy Spirit, we're conscious that scriptures tell us that it's possible to grieve you. It's possible to quench you. It's possible to resist you. It's possible to blaspheme against you. And we just want to say, Holy Spirit, we are sorry if in our the way we've lived our lives or even in the ways that we have understood you, we have, we have quenched or grieved you. Thank you that you don't hold us against us in a condemning way, but you lead us into the invitation of your love. And so, Lord, we offer you our prayers tonight of repentance, and we open wide our hearts to say, Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and reveal who you are to us. Come and reveal the person that you are. And how you operate in and on us in a way that brings glory to Jesus. We give you permission here tonight, Holy Spirit. We give you permission. Amen. We respond some more in five or ten minutes. But I want to just share 
the reason I wanted to talk about this is tonight is because I really do believe the Holy Spirit longs to pour himself out upon us in these days. And I believe, you know, I'm, I'm believing that that's what we're heading towards. I feel like that's what we need to pray towards. That's why we, we're still preaching about it. And I just really feel like, you know, if that's going to happen, we need to honor him. We need, we need to know who he is. We need to honor the person who didn't recognize him. And we need to trust him. And I, I just had a picture the, the other day when we were praying, I think we were praying, so I think it was maybe as we were praying for Ireland in the 24-7 prayer room, and um, I had this kind of quite clear picture of when you were, I don't know if you ever remember, and I know there's been tragedy in this way, so I don't mean to be insensitive about it, but it, you know when you kind of went, maybe you were up the north coast and you went out into the, the water and the, you felt the, the tide underneath your feet and you heard like people, your mom or dad saying, don't go out too far because the tide can take you out and it was like a it was like an undercurrent but you could feel like the undercurrent I still kind of can remember that quite vividly as a child feeling that kind of pull to go out and and I feel at the moment that what the Holy Spirit is doing with us <coughs> contrary to the fear that we would feel in that situation it's actually the opposite he wants to take us out into an ocean of love and an ocean of the outpouring of his presence but I feel like I feel like like I would have felt as a little boy then, I feel like there's people here and everything within you wants to go back into shore. Or everything's telling you that this is going to be too uncomfortable. So go, go back in, sit at the shore, have your picnic and kind of watch everybody else. And I just feel like the Lord is saying to us tonight that his spirit is moving upon us in such a way there is, there is a current at work now. I feel like that's already started feel there is a current of the Holy Spirit that is kind of drawing us, wants to draw us into something. And I feel like I feel like some of us are here tonight and we've been coming to these nights and we've been enjoying them and we've been sensing it, but everything in you tonight feels like it's great, but you know, it'd just be easier to go back in the shore and paddle every now and again. And God, I think, wants to bring us in and immerse us in a full baptism of his presence and of his Holy Spirit. I think that's what he wants to do in order to reach our community, in order to do something extraordinary as Robbie prayed. And so I'm going to read this passage and say a few, th- a couple of things about it, and then we're going to respond to the Lord. But on, in this context, I'm going to read from uh, Ezekiel chapter 47. And it's a passage in the Old Testament that spoke of the coming of the Holy Spirit, and it speaks a little bit into that picture that I've just shared. And... Um, Just the quick context was that Ezekiel was a prophet in the Old Testament looking forward. The people of Israel were in a time of exile. They had no land. They had no temple. They they were in a bad shape. And God comes and speaks to Ezekiel in this time. And Ezekiel starts to prophesy of a time when he sees a temple and the river of God is going to flow. And this is, this is what it says. I'm going to read 12 verses. Okay, The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate, and he led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with the measuring land line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits, and then he led me through waters that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits, and he led me through water that was knee deep. 
And then he he measured off another thousand, and he led me through water that was up to my waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, get this, he asked me, son of man, do you see this? Do you see this? Do you see this? Do you see what's going on here? Have you eyes to see? Then he led me to the bank of the river, and when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. And he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down towards the Arabah, where it enters into the Dead Sea. And when he empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creature will live wherever the river flows. There will be a large number of fish, because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. That should never happen, by the way. Water should never flow. Salt should always um, percolate the water and make it salty. But this water goes and makes the salt water fresh. And so where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from the Engedi to the En-Eglim. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swarms and the marshes, sorry, the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all, of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not weather, nor will their fruit fall, fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Amazing, amazing, amazing prophetic passage in the scripture. Um, just a few points, right? Uh, Ezekiel is in the time of exile. There's no temple. There's no land. They don't know if they're ever going to get home. And in the midst of this, they're struggling to rediscover their identity. And God comes with this amazing picture. Uh, A man brings Ezekiel out and shows him this powerful picture of a river flowing out of the temple. And the river represents the Spirit of God. Okay? It represents the Spirit of God. And the picture of the river is that at the beginning of the river, there's a trickle. Right? It's even maybe imperceptible, but water has started to flow out of the temple, the place where God lives, the place where God's presence is. But then the man brings him out further, a thousand cubits, so that's 500 meters. So imagine whatever 500 meters from here is, wherever you would go. And when they measure it, he says, you can get in here and you can sort of splash around in your ankles, okay? Some of us, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, have done that. We've splashed about in our ankles, and it's good fun. It's a bit like when you go for a walk on the beach and you think, I'm not really going to go fully in, but we'll go for a wee paddle and we'll have a wee ice cream afterwards. And you, you, get, you, know, you, get, you get enough. Some of us have splashed around with the person of the Holy Spirit, bringing joy to your life at times, but not fully immersed. And then there's another measurement and the water goes up to their knees. When you get into the knees, you know that bit with the trousers, maybe you get a bit wet. And you're like, oh, for goodness sake, I was trying not to get the trousers wet. Now I'm a wee bit more committed. I might have to go a little bit further. In fact, maybe take the trousers off or whatever you need to do because they're wet now anyway. And they go from the knees up to the waist. And then it goes another thousand cubits. And it was a river that you couldn't cross which means that your feet had to leave the floor. I wonder what that feels like. When your feet have to actually leave the floor, when you're not in control anymore, when you're not in control of your whole life, when you've like fully surrendered your life to Jesus and to the infilling of his Holy Spirit so that he can just take you wherever he wants to take you and baptize you in your love. And the angel of the man said, do you... Do you see this? Can you stick that back on the mind, please, Timmy? Do you see this? Have you noticed this? So here's what I want to say to you tonight, right? Have you noticed what God's doing right here at the minute? 
Do you see it? A river has started to flow, I personally believe. To some of us, it might feel like a trickle. But here's the amazing thing about this river, which is so counterintuitive. The further away it goes, the deeper the river gets. That's not the way it's supposed to work, right? If the source of the water, if you have a tap and you stand with the tap at the front of your drive and you like turn the water on, it's going to be lots at the, at the start and it's going to trickle at the bottom. <laughs> not with this one. Not with the river of God. In fact, it maybe has felt like just a trickle. But the further you go with this river, the deeper you go. The more there is to know, the more there is to swim in, the more there is to fall into. The further you go in the river, the deeper it becomes and the more you get lost. And what if God is saying this to us tonight? Do, Do you see this? The river is getting deeper. The current is working. And the invitation, I think, to every single person here tonight is, do you want to go a bit deeper? Do you want to go a bit deeper in the things of the Spirit? Do you want to open up your life to allow the Holy Spirit to immerse you in His presence? Because when it does, when it does, I'm going to talk about this the way I'd like tonight. Do you know where it flows to? It flows to the Dead Sea. Do you know why this river we just read in this passage, do you, do you, do you know why the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea? Because it's dead. It's very dead. It's 14 feet below sea level. 1,400, sorry. 1,400 feet below sea level. Which means that from all the mountains and all around it, all the minerals flow into this low, low part below sea level, full of minerals, so nothing can live in it. It's dead because it's dead, because nothing lives there. One of the most unusual places on the earth but do you see this? Here's the question from the Lord. Do you, do you see where this could go? Do you see what the Spirit is doing here upon us in these days and these nights? Do you, do you see where this could go? Do you see what could change? This could go to all the dead places of our community. This could go to all the broken streets, all the dwellings that need repair. This could go to, this could go to all these broken lives. This could go to this could go, this, this move of the spirit that we're longing for and contend to do, this can go to like, you know, those people that are sitting tonight in mental turmoil, wondering whether to keep living or not. This is where this can go to because it's going to the places that are most dead. And the thing about it is it's fresh water and it's going to the Dead Sea, which is full of salt. And the salt doesn't get, doesn't influence the fresh water. The fresh water influences the salty water. And it brings life to it. And it changes it. And this is what happens when people get in the river of the Spirit and stop standing on the banks like the people on that passage talking about everybody else that's in and having an opinion whether or not it's good, but just actually move that a little bit deeper. And I don't know where you are tonight, but if maybe you've never been in. And tonight, there is a river of God that's flowing in this place that wants to like come and set you free with the Spirit of the Lord as your freedom. But maybe you're here tonight and you've been splashing around. You've been dipping your feet in. And the Lord's like, come a bit, come a bit more. Come a bit further into the moving of my Holy Spirit. And all of this picture is pointing towards Jesus. Because he's the true temple. Yeah? Of, of which rivers of living water are flowing out of. Which is why he could say, as it brings us to a close. 
on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and he said in a loud voice, he wanted everyone to hear. He didn't just want the church people to hear. He wanted everyone to hear. And so with a loud voice on the last and the greatest day of the festival, he stood up and he said, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. But he meant, what did he mean? The Spirit, <laughs> whom those who believed in him were later to receive. And up until that time, the Spirit had not been given for Jesus had not been glorified. <laughs> There's a river of water here. There's a river of the Spirit here tonight. And even further than what Jesus has said tonight here, as Jesus went back to heaven, we have become the temples now of the God on the earth, out of which the flowing of his Holy Spirit wants to come to bring life to dead places. And this is what happened. And to go back to how Robbie led us just after worship, I feel like God is calling us to have a doctrine of the Holy Spirit <laughs> that loves the Holy Spirit. And it realizes we just don't need like a touch-up job every now and again. We actually need him to pour himself out upon us in power. Final quote. Mr. Jones again. Not Tom. All right? Of course we must evangelize. Of course we must preach about being filled with the Spirit. Yes. But over and above that, we must cry out to God to pour out his Spirit upon the whole church. And that is revival. The descent, the outpouring of the Spirit over and above his usual ordinary work. This amazing, unusual, extraordinary thing which God in his sovereignty and infinite grace has done to the church from time to time during the long centuries of our history. Examine your doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And in the name of God, be careful lest in your neat and trim doctrine you are excluding and putting out this most remarkable thing which God does periodically through the Holy Spirit in sending him upon us, in visiting, in baptizing us, in reviving the whole church in a miraculous and astonishing manner. Couldn't say it any better myself. That's what we're, that's what we're longing for. And so tonight when the worship team will come, the response is really simple. Do you love the Holy Spirit? Do you want to honor the person of the Holy Spirit? And do you want to swim a bit more in that river? Do you want to get to the place where your feet might just be taken up off the ground and you're not in control the way that you want to be in control? That every independent spirit in our lives surrenders to the Lordship of Jesus so that we can be taken up in his spirit. Do we trust him enough? Do we trust him enough that he's not going to like do weird things with us or something? Do we trust him that he's a good God? That he's a father who wants to pour out his spirit upon us to refresh us, renew us and revive us with his love. Fill us with his power. And through our lives, flow to dead, broken places to bring the life of God. In order to do that, we need a mighty outpouring of his spirit. And if he's going to do that, we need to honor who he is. Amen? Why don't we stand to our feet?
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just believe there's a river flowing here tonight for us to step into. And so wherever you are tonight, if you just are saying, Holy Spirit, I just want to surrender to you. I want to surrender into the river. I just want you to come and stand. Basically, you can stand wherever. If you want us to stand out, get just you know, to get into the river, you need to get out of where you're at, if you know what I mean. So just wherever you're at, just go and stand somewhere, maybe the front or even in the aisles. But I'd, I'd love to pray for you, so it might be great if you would come to the front. But just if, if that's something that you want to receive from the Lord tonight, we just don't want to preach about this, we want to release it, okay? So just come and stand in the front, and then we're going to pray here in a moment. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. So just as you come, come right, come right up into this. Come right up in if you feel like the Lord's just speaking to you tonight and you just want to respond. And just as the band start to play gently and maybe sing gently, let's just start to worship the Lord together, okay? Let's not, let's not be spectators tonight. Let's just all be worshipers in this place, wherever we are, whatever the Lord's doing. Come, Lord Jesus. River of God, flow in this place. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit just as you come and as you respond, just start opening your heart up to God. Maybe you want to even just put your hands out as a sign of receiving from the Lord. Let's just start receiving from Him, worshiping Him, just declaring the beauty of Jesus in this place. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.